Awesome. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, great to be with you today. I want to start our time together just by praying. I think it's one of the greatest things that we can do um, before we approach the Bible, God's Word, which we believe is God speaking to us. And so I'm going to lead us today, wherever you're at. Uh, in fact, right where you're at, maybe just take a deep breath in, deep breath out. Just kind of recenter yourself this morning. God, we don't just want another moment of... Uh, of religion or church or streaming our church service on a Sunday morning because we can't gather collectively together. We really need help. God, we really need hope. We need direction. We need, uh, we need God to speak to us. We need you to speak to us. We need you to calm weary souls, give us direction, give us peace, give us hope, give us light, that you would show us the way, that you would show us the way that you are leading, that you would show us and illuminate for us what it is, God, that you are doing. God, we look to you today. We open our hearts to you. We ask that you would use these next few moments that we share, um, God, to expand something in our heart that lasts far beyond the moments that we share today together. God, we look to you for hope and help. We ask that you meet us here in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. I hope you said amen out loud. Thank you, Sam. Good to see you. Looking sexy. Sam just had, Sam, you didn't have a baby, but your wife had a baby. And uh, congratulations publicly. Two months old already? That's crazy, crazy. Okay, if you have your Bibles, we'll talk about that later when everybody else isn't around. Mark chapter uh, 14. Mark chapter 14, and this morning, I'm going to read out of the NIV. Um, the story that I'm going to read today is laid out in several of the different Gospels, so I encourage you to go back and, uh, if you have time this week, to kind of read some of the stories so you can understand the context of what is happening. Jesus has been on the earth uh, doing what Jesus does, healing, teaching. I mean, dead people have been raised from the dead. He is a superpower to be reckoned with. Nobody has ever seen anything like this. And at this point in his journey, um, Jesus has kind of forecasted the fact that, hey guys, I, I, I've come and I'm gonna do incredible miracles, but I didn't just come to earth to do incredible miracles. I have a greater purpose, that I'm here to reconcile humanity with God. And the only way that I can do that is if I'm crucified and I defy death, come back, from the dead. So this is a part of the bigger picture. He's been kind of forecasting this to the disciples, but the disciples haven't really gotten it. He's told them over and over, like, okay, we're doing miracles, people are being helped, people are finding hope, people are grasping healing. You have seen people come back from the dead, but it's about more than that. There's gonna come a day when I'm gonna go through some stuff and it's gonna be really confusing to everybody, but it's a part of the plan. So I wanted to pick up this passage of scripture in verse 32. Uh, of Mark chapter 14, where it says this, it says this, they went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus says to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him and he began to be, listen to this, Jesus. Jesus began to be deeply distressed and troubled. Can anybody relate? Anybody know what it's like to feel not just like a little bit stressed out? I'm talking about deeply distressed and troubled, confused. Jesus himself says this, my soul is overwhelmed with, Jesus, Jesus says this, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and he prayed that if possible, the hour might pass with him, pass from him. He says this to God, Abba Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, Peter, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch one hour? Watch and pray. Listen to how he says this. So that you will not fall into temptation. 
The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Verse 39. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They're just tired. They didn't know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and wrestling enough? The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayers. Verse 43 says this. Just as he was speaking... Judas, who was one of the 12 disciples, appeared. With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one that I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. The men said, said uh, seized Jesus, then and arrested him. The one, then one of those standing near, uh, we know from other accounts of the story that this person is specifically Peter, one of the disciples, He draws his sword, and he struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. The servant's name was Malchus. We learned that from other passages of Scripture. Jesus, uh, in most all other accounts, looks at Peter, and he says, Peter, put your sword away. He, he, He lays out this famous statement, those who live by the sword will die by the sword. He continues, he says, am I leading a rebellion that you have come out me with with swords and clubs to capture me. Every day I was with you teaching in the temple courts, and you didn't arrest me, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. Verse 50 says, Then everyone deserted him and fled. And it continues, kind of throws this one in there. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. Recently I was uh, at at the park with... uh, my wife and, and my kids, my, it's one of the things that I, parents, if you have kids, you know it's one of the things that you can do right now to kind of get out of the house and keep some of your sanity. And so uh, my kids love the swings and the slides and the, and the whole nine. And so my middle son is on one of the swings having a good time. And me and my wife are kind of small talking about some stuff. And uh, my, my daughter, she comes kind of running up. So I, I say, hey, baby, you want to get on the swing? And she gets so excited because she's kind of just recently discovered how much fun a swing could be. So her face just lights up. And as she lights up, she just, she says, yeah, yeah. She takes off running towards me. Well, there's a problem because she's unaware uh, as my other son is swinging, he is swung out forward and his, and his body's about to come swinging back. Well, she doesn't see him. She comes running directly towards me. And it's one of those, ah, like panic, paralyzing moments because she's, I mean, she's about to get knocked over big time. Like, she's going to be in, there's, there's no way that this isn't going to be extremely bad. So as, as everything kind of is in slow motion, I'm like, no, but I can do nothing about it. Uh, my wife, she comes to the rescue, and, and it was funny to watch her because it looked like without even thinking, without even thinking, she runs up, and she, <laughs> she, she takes her head, and she shoves my two-year-old daughter to the ground. Okay, she shoves my two-year-old daughter to the ground. My daughter falls, the swing comes back, clearing my daughter, and everything is okay. My, my, I'm like, oh, gosh, that was great, babe. Like, great instincts, right? Like, we're all, we're all kind of having, it, having a moment. Like, how you didn't even think. You just jumped into action. Well, then my two-year-old daughter gets up, and she has this look of, like, how could you on her face? She starts crying and sobbing, just upset, and she looks, she looks, <laughs> looks at my wife, and she's, you could tell she's just angry, and she's frustrated, but she doesn't have a clue. She didn't understand that my wife was not harming her. My wife was helping her. My wife was saving her. She has a different perspective than my wife possesses. My wife possesses a greater perspective. She sees things that my two-year-old daughter cannot see. I cannot help but think 
that this is a great picture of what it's like to be a human in relationship with God. So much of the time we go through these things and we go through phases and we go through things that we feel so overwhelmed and so distressed about. We, we can't understand why we're facing the things that we're facing. Why would God let these things happen? Why would I be in this position? But can I remind you today, I have to remind you that you, do, you don't have God perspective. There are, there are things that God can see that you cannot see. This has been reoccurring conversation with us, that even when you don't see that he's working, he's working. But I want you to take it a little bit deeper than an intellectual conversation where you can grasp a concept. I want you to begin to allow this concept that can plague our minds to kind of journey down into the place of our heart. Because if you're a person who is looking for peace in your life, you're going to have to understand that you and God are not the same. You and God do not operate on the same playing field. You and God do not have the same perspective. This is what I love about this story. Because even in Jesus' time of distress, he kind of lays out this, this picture for us. When I'm going through distress, the real struggle, sometimes the struggle that I'm facing is not between me and my enemy. Sometimes the real struggle that I'm actually facing is between me and God. Because I don't understand God's perspective. I don't understand why God is doing the things that he is doing. I don't understand that he sees things in a way that I do not see him. Jesus showed this, shows us this. Isn't it funny? In his time of distress, let me look, look, look at it with me. In his time of distress, he begins to pray to God. And look how he kind of, kind of starts, starts that. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. Stay here and pray. And then he goes and he says to God, he says, Abba, Father. He says, everything is possible to you. You ever been in a place where you really wanted God to change something? So you started quoting scripture. Huh? You started remember, remembering, well, I know what God's word. You ever been in a place where you start praying something, but even though you know you're praying something that would be God's will in one situation, it just kind of just seems to bloop, kind of just fall flat on the ground? Am I the only one that has ever been in a position where there are times that I'm going through something and I'm begging God to change it, yet when I pray, it just feels like, God, I know that I'm praying that you would change this situation, but I can't help in the deepest parts of me somehow know that I think that you're actually involved in the middle of this situation. Because God has a different perspective than you have. This is why Jesus says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done, because there's a difference. There's a difference between God's perspective and your perspective. There's a difference between God's will. You have to get this. There's a difference between God's will and your will. If you do not settle this in your heart, if you do not settle this idea, this concept, really it's a fundamental value belief system. If you don't own this on the foundation on which you live, you will never be able to find peace in your life. Because the way that God does things and the way that you do things are different. You have to understand that, you, this is what I'm saying, you are an inferior being as it pertains to God. God is a superior being as it pertains to you. God operates in, in a paradigm. He operates in a perspective that you don't have. How come you don't make your dog feed itself and pick up its own waste? Because it's a dog. Why? You understand that it doesn't have the capacity to do those things. This is what I'm communicating to you. Your capacity is different than God's capacity. What, view, what you view as pain and what God views as pain are a lot of times two different things. Why? Because he has a different perspective. Because he can see a different thing. You have to fundamentally, if you're ever going to find peace in your life, you have to realize that you are God and I am man. I am man and you are God. I do not see things the way that you see them. This is, this is why Jesus paints this picture of this internal wrestling match. Because you've got to understand, Jesus, while he's on earth, is 100% man. 
and 100% God, not 50-50. He comes 100% man and 100% God. So he knows what it's like to feel the stress of, this doesn't make sense to my logical human brain, yet at the same time, he knows the powerful omnipotence of a great, powerful God who doesn't need the help of humanity. So, so what we see Jesus doing is trying to reconcile the two by reminding himself his role, by reminding himself that I do not see as God sees. He continues to tell the disciples, you guys get up and pray, get up and pray, get up and pray. When I read the scripture, it's like, why are you pushing these guys to pray so much? Why are you, why are you, why are you so obsessed with these guys getting up and praying? Like, like Jesus, why, why is now the point that you have to, is it because you're miserable and you're going through a hard time and you have to pray so you want everybody else to pray with you? Jesus, why are you so bent on, are you guys sleeping again? Could you get up and pray? Why do you want them to pray? Would it have changed the outcome? Like if they would have prayed with you, like would you have not have gone to the cross? Would prayer have changed the outcome? No, it wouldn't have changed the outcome, but it would have, hear me today, it would have changed their response to the outcome. What, what Jesus is doing here with his disciples, you know what he's doing? He's teaching. What is, he, what is he teaching? What to do when you're greatly distressed and troubled. What to do when you're greatly distressed and troubled. What do I do when I'm greatly distressed and troubled? I pray. What, 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 are, what are we talking about? Why? Because prayer might change the situation? No. What, what, here's, here's what prayer does. Prayer reconciles your soul unto God. Why? Because your operating system and God's operating system are different. This is, why do you think Jesus prayed so much? Why, why was Jesus always sneaking around, around, around to pray? I got to go pray. I got to go pray. Could, was, he, was he asking for things? No, he could, he could with his words, form things. With his words, he could say, Lazarus, come forth, and the dead come forth. So what are you praying about? Because he is 100% man, and he is 100% God. Jesus, even in his, in his humanity, had to reconcile his humanity unto God. There are things in me that want things to be my way. I, I want to drive the ship. I want to hold on to the reins. But there is also God in me that I know. I know he has a bigger perspective. I know he's working on things that I cannot see, and it is through the power of prayer that I'm able to reconcile my soul unto God. I'm able to what? I'm able to find peace in my life. What, what, is rec what does that prayer look like? It, it's the constant reminder that you are not in charge. Let me just say that like five times over and over. It's the constant reminder that you are not in charge. It's the constant reminder that you are not in charge. It's the constant reminder that you are not in charge. It's the constant reminder you are not in charge. It's the constant reminder that you are not in charge. You don't get it. 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 This is what prayer is. Prayer is me coming before God. God, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. Help me get it. Help me get it. Help me get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. Help me get it. Help me get it. Help me get it. Not my will, but your will be done. Come thy kingdom be done the will of the Father in my life. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. Help me get it. Help me get it. Help me help me reconcile my my subhuman my my human thinking. Help me take my little, small perspective that cannot grasp the things that you are doing and can you pull me to a higher perspective? Can you bring rest to my soul when I feel distressed? Can you anchor me when I, when I want to run, when I want to hide, when I want to give up, when I want to throw in the towel, when I want to be confused? Isn't this the story of your life? We like to try to act like we get things figured out. This is what has crushed not just humanity but American culture. We, had, we were in a rhythm, in a stride where we had figured out life pretty darn good. 
We knew how to grow money. We knew how to grow crops. We knew how to feed each other. We knew how to take care of each other. But then we, it, we, we go through a situation that we do not know how to face. And all of a sudden, what are we reminded of? Reality. This is why I say that prayer, listen to the wording that I'm using. Prayer reconciles your soul unto God. What is, what is reconciliation? What am I talking about when I'm talking about reconciling? Um, those of you who understand finances or accounting or keeping a ledger, those of you who are old school and still write checks, right? You got to like balance your checkbook. What is the idea? The idea is if I write a check, there is money that is potentially coming out of my account, but that money doesn't come out of my account until that person cashes that check. And so if I don't reconcile my bank account, what will happen is I'll be operating in a false reality and I'll be spending money that I don't have. You tracking with me? So, so what does prayer do? Prayer reconciles my reality. Prayer reconciles the things that I'm feeling that I can't make sense of unto God. If I do not reconcile my soul unto God, what happens? I operate in a false reality. <laughs> when, when, I don't, when I'm distressed and I don't pray, not just asking God to fix it, not just, not just quoting scripture, and I know you got to do it my way because you said you would do it this way. God, please fix it. Do, the, do what I want you to do when I want you. Not, not that kind of prayer. What am I talking about? Reconciling my soul unto God. Not my will, but your will be done. Oh, we don't like that. Oh, I don't like that. Why? Because it forces me to have to, have to face, you know what it has to face? Reality. I'm not in control. I'm not in control. You feel like you're in control, but you're not in control. Can I tell you right now, let me terrify you, your heart could stop beating right now. Is that real, y'all? Your, your heart, right now, do you keep your heart beating? Your heart could stop right now. You're not in control. So what does prayer do? It reconciles me, reconciles my soul unto God so that I'm put in a, a full position of surrender. Not my will, but your will be done. This sounds terrifying, but can, if, I could, if I could really be honest, it is the only way to find peace in your life. It is the only, look, look me in the eye, and let me tell you with the conviction of God in my heart, it is the only way to find peace in your life. A successful life is a surrender life. A success, now hear me beyond the words that I'm using and let it go to your, a successful life is a surrendered life. A surrendered life is a prayerful life that not my will, it's your will. Give me God perspective. The danger is when I don't reconcile my soul unto God, I operate in a false reality. You could just like meditate on that all day long. When I, don't, when, I, when I don't pray, when I don't reconcile my soul unto God, and understand when I'm talking about prayer, I'm not talking about this formal like, dear God in heaven, I just ask of you to, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the position of your heart being poured out to God. I'm talking about being in a place of internal meditation where I go within myself and I anchor myself in fundamental values that I am not in charge. I am not the one driving the ship. When I don't understand, I relinquish control to God. When I am frustrated because I got fired and it doesn't make sense to me, I trust God because I believe that there's a bigger picture. When someone goes through something that I don't get and I don't understand and somebody asks me why and I don't have an answer, I don't make up an answer, I say I don't know because my life is surrendered. I have been, I have been bought with the price. I have died with Christ. I have surrendered who I am. To, to, I, I'm clinging to a greater sense of understanding. I'm acknowledging that I don't understand at all. When I don't do this, life does not go good. When, 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 I don't, when, when I am distressed, 
When I am overwhelmed and I don't reconcile my soul, now again, understand the words that I'm using, I don't reconcile my soul unto God. In other words, I'm not operating in the, in, in the right reality. I don't pray. All those things mean the same thing. If I'm not operating in the right reality, that means I'm not a person of prayer because prayer is the thing that reconciles my reality unto God because it reminds me that I am man, he is God. I am man, he is God. I am, I, I am, I am a lesser being in comparison to him. He sees things that I do not see. He understands things that I do not understand. When I have not reconciled my soul unto God, I have problems 100% of the time. This is what we see in the life of the disciples. This is why when they come to take Jesus, this is why Jesus was so, guys, you got to get up and pray. You got to get up and pray. You got to get up and pray. Why? What does he know? They're about, they may not be distressed now, but they're about to be distressed. Because they're about to see their Savior. They're about to see the one who no man could keep down. No sickness could keep down. No death could keep down. No power on this, on this earth could have the power to, to, to crip. They're about to see that man be taken away in shackles. They're about to be distressed. This is why Jesus is obsessed. You've got to pray. You've got to, recon- you've got to learn that when you're distressed, you have to reconcile your soul into God. Why? Otherwise, you will take matters into your own hands. And when you take matters into your own hands, you 100% of the time mess things up. We see this. They come to take Jesus. And Peter whips out his sword and cuts off the guard's ear. First of all, I'm thinking, okay, Pete, if you're mad at anybody... Why are you mad at the guard? If there's anybody that I'm going to be mad at as a disciple in this situation, you know who it is? It's Judas. You dirty son of a gun. You've been with us all of these years. You've, been, you've seen all of the things that I've seen. You've seen how he's bent over backwards for you to create position for you. And look what you did to him. If there's one person that I want to take off a little bit more than an ear, it's going to be Judas. But here's the problem. When you don't reconcile your inward world unto God, when you don't remind yourself that you are not in charge, when you, when you don't reconcile your inward world unto God, not my will, but your will be done, here's, here's the problem. You can never identify the real problem. When I don't reconcile, you, have, have you found yourself in this place when you're distressed? And I just don't know what it is. I just don't know what it is. I just don't know what it is. And I, could it be this? Could it be that? You can't put your finger on the problem. Why? Because you're not reconciled unto God. You still think it's your way. You're still operating on your intellect. So you're trying to figure out the problem, but you do not have the ability to solve the problem with your intellect and with your articulation and with your book smarts and your reading skills because you have not been internally reconciled. Everything works from the, everything works, everything works, everything works from the inside out. When I don't have a reconciled soul, I can never identify the problem. I blame people that it's not really their fault. Can I tell you that usually the thing that you think is your problem is not your problem? This is reoccurring. This is, this, is, this is like something that I talk about. A lot of times you, you think it's your spouse, you think it's your job, you think it's the money, but usually it's none of those things. And this is why, you know, another reason you really have to be reconciled unto God in your soul, why you really have to be a person of prayer, because there's so much of the time what starts as a problem will be given a purpose. How much of the time does a problem enter your life and God says, no, nope, I can use that. Okay, yeah, I see that, that started as a problem but I, can, but I can use that. Judas was a problem until his, the, him as a problem was assigned a, a, a purpose. There's something that God has to do with reconciling. Did God cause it? No, but when the problem came, he assigned it a purpose. He, he, what do we talk about? Don't be quoting scripture telling me all things work together for the good of those who love God. And then when he starts using all things to work together, you get upset about it. 
This is why I, when I'm distressed, I got to go to God. I got I to gotta remind my, I got to dig deep. I got I to gotta build a foundation, not my will, but your will. I don't get it like you get it. I don't, I'm, I, this is what I've been thinking. I have been assigned a slot in history. I have been, you, can you hear me today? You have been assigned a slot in history. You are here for a purpose. There is something for you to accomplish. The only way that you will be able to accomplish the something that you have been sent to this planet to do is to put yourself in the same position that Christ put himself. I don't get it, but you do. I don't get it, but you do. A surrendered life is a successful life. When I'm not reconciled, I can't identify the real problem. When I'm unreconciled, I start cutting off ears. I start hurting people. Have you noticed this? People stress out. Have you, have you been on social media lately? Have you seen the fights? Have you seen the hate? Have you seen the division? And yet everybody's fighting for good things? Everybody's fighting for their interpretation of good things. Everybody thinks that there's right, and yet there's never been more division. Why? Because when you're unreconciled in your soul, when you have not, I'm not talking about intellectually, fundamentally. I'm talking about on a base level value system, the land on which I build my house is a place of surrender. I'm talking the land on which I build the foundation that is my body is built on the foundation of I don't get it. You know what Christianity is? It, 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 you could put Christianity equals I don't know because it's surrender. When I sign up for Christianity, you know what I'm signing? I have been bought with a price. I, what is this whole thing of I'm trading my identity for God's identity? Because I'm wanting to grasp the operating system that is real. I am acknowledging the fact that I don't, I don't get what is real. When I don't reconcile, I hurt people. I point fingers at people. I become harmful. People, we burn bridges in relationships. God brings great people into your life because he's wanting to do something great, but you don't understand the season that you're going through, and all of a sudden you start cutting off ears of people who are just trying to help. It takes great humility to acknowledge this, folks. It takes great humility for me to look back over the, over the journey that I have walked and realize that the times in my life that I was distressed and overwhelmed was the times that I hurt people the most that I didn't need to hurt. Why? Because I was unreconciled in my soul. I thought that I knew. I, I, and, and, and I thought I knew from a very pure place. I wasn't meaning to hurt anybody. I was trying to help. See, this is actually the picture of Peter. He was trying to help. But you know the saying. Hurt people. Hurt people. Why, why, are, you, why are you cutting off? It's really the, the reason that you're hurting is kind of, back in your journey. And if you, you, you have to kind of understand the context of Scripture to get this, but you have to understand that Jesus and Peter's relationship has kind of been interesting since the very get. Like, it really has. Like, Peter is this guy that, that when Jesus, for the very first time, doing miracles, doing things, and Jesus starts to kind of let the cat out of the bag. Hey, boys, things have been good, but there's one day that the Son of Man, that I'm going to be betrayed, and I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to have to die. You know what Peter says? Peter says, we'll never let that happen. Do you remember what Jesus responded to him with? Do you remember the very first time that Jesus said that and Peter said, no, we'll never let that happen. Do you remember what Jesus said back to Peter? Here's what he said. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. Get th are you, are, is he calling him Satan? No, he, he's trying to, again, reinforce this principle, this concept. There are times that you think that you have God ideas when your ideas that you think are so rooted in light can actually be rooted in dark. 
Why? Because I am man. I don't get it like God gets it. Could you imagine what it would feel like to be Peter? As you're just, you're just trying to help. We'll never let that happen. We're never going to let you die. We're loyal. We're faithful. Get thee behind me, Satan. Could you imagine what that would feel like? And what's funny is you see Peter, ever since this, this situation happens, all of a sudden he gets a little chip on the shoulder. And he constantly lives as if he has something to prove. See, this is what happens. If you ever find yourself hurting people, you look back in your journey, somewhere along the route, you got hurt. And here's how you'll know, because you live your life with something to prove. You feel like you gotta show them. How do I know if I'm living my life with something to prove? I feel this pressure to perform. I feel this pressure to get everybody to like me. I feel this pressure that I have to show my family. I have to show my city. I have to show the people that stabbed me in the back and left me. I have to show the staff members that betrayed me. I have to show the family members that betrayed me. I have to show everybody that ever looked down on me and shamed me and told me that I'll never become nothing. I feel like I have to prove myself to them. This is what Peter com continually does. Every time Jesus will go, and one of you is gonna betray me, not me. Yeah, it's good. Peter. It's going to be you. If I have to die, I won't betray you. I'll show you, Jesus. I'll, I'll, I'll prove to you, Jesus. I mean, to the point that, that here he is. They're coming to take Jesus. He takes out his sword and chops it. Look, I told you I wouldn't let it happen, Jesus. Can I just tell you this morning, you know one of the greatest, most freeing things you'll ever experience in your life is to realize that you have nothing to prove. You have assignments to accomplish. This is why you have to be steeped in prayer. Because I, I, have to, I, have to reconcile, I have to reconcile the issues of my soul to know that there's a bigger picture at play. This is why I have to daily, I have to daily, this is why Jesus, over and over, I gotta get away and pray, I gotta get away and pray. Why, do you need things? No, it's not about the things. I don't, I don't need, I, I have this human thing in me that is unreconciled to God. And if I don't remind that human thing in me that it is not God, it will 100% of the time try to be. If I don't remind the inward parts of my being, hey, Nick, you're not God, get in line. Know your place. Oh, 100% of the time, live like I have something to prove. You don't got to prove it to your aunt. You don't got to prove it to your mom. You don't got to prove it to your dad. You don't got to prove it to your boss. You don't got to prove it to the person that hurt you. You, you don't got to prove it to these, these, these thoughts in your head, these pressures that you, that you create. Sometimes it's not even that people are looking for you to prove. You just create these pressures in your mind that I have something to prove. I have something to prove. I have something. You want to free yourself? Just, just remind yourself that you have nothing to prove. That everything that needs to be proven, he, pro he, pr he proved it a long time ago on a cross. You have been, that's why you're here. That's why you're here. You, 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 have, you have been assigned a place in history. The challenge with living your life like you have something to prove, when you actually prove it, nobody is ever as impressed as you want them to be. I'm just coaching you this morning. I'm just coaching you this morning. That thing, business owner, that you're determined, I'm going to make it through and I'm going to show everybody how we can make it. We're not like, when you, when you do that thing, it's still not going to scratch the itch. Because that's not what this life is about. Jesus, I proved it to you. Peter, put your sword away. Peter, put your sword, put your sword away. See, I think sometimes in our devotion to God, in our desire to stand up for God, sometimes when we're standing up for God, God's trying to get us to sit down. 
I think sometimes, God, I'm going to stand for you. I'm going to fight for you. No, you don't, you don't get it. Your strength, your strength is not strength. Did you hear what I just said? I'm going to fight. For, we got to stand up for God. No, your strength is not strength. Can I just remind, God does not need your help. God is not powerful because you got his back. God is powerful because God is powerful all by himself. God does not need humanity, except for the fact that he chooses to need humanity. It's like me with my kids. You want to help me with this? I don't need their help. I choose to need their help. Sometimes, sometimes we want to wield our swords, and God is saying, could you just put your sword away? You know what he's really saying? Could you let them tie me up? Peter, you know the real sign of, of trust, the real sign of loyalty is not can you fight for me. Here's the real sign. Can you, can you let them tie me up? Can you trust me to the point that you understand that I'm working on a picture that you can't understand? Can you let them tie me up? Okay. Because when you tie, when you tie God up, when you, when you tie, Peter, could, could you let them tie me up? Because if they never tie me up, they'll never know that the things that they try to tie me up with are not capable of holding me. Can you let them tie me? Could you let them take me away and beat me with whips? Because if they don't, they'll never know that their pain cannot stop me. Can you let them tie me up? Can you let them kill me and put me into a grave? Because if they don't put me in a grave, they'll never know that he, that me, myself, and I am stronger than death. It cannot keep me. Can you let them tie me up? You see, sometimes being tied up is not the sign of the end of a good run. Sometimes being tied up is the beginning of a show of force. Who am I talking to? Who, who, who feels tied up? Who feels like they've been bound? Can you let them tie me up? Can you let them tie me up? Sometimes in life i got to say, God, I just trust you to the point that even when I feel bound, I have confidence that I don't need to fight. Sometimes I just need to sit because it is sometimes in the moments when I feel the most restricted that God is not trying to keep me bound. He's not trying to say that it's over. He's getting ready to show off his strength. If they don't tie Jesus up, we don't begin to have a part in his story. Can you let them tie me up. Isn't it funny? They can't sit and pray, but they can rise and go. Sit and pray, sit and pray. Okay, rise, let's go. They're here. Everybody jumps up. This is humanity. We like the things that feel productive. We like the rise and go. We like the let me build. We like the let me take the charge for, let me take the charge and stand up for my faith. Sometimes I laugh because people don't get it. People don't get what happens when you try to tie God up. This is why, for, for me, I kind of get a little bit excited. You want to add some restrictions to God? Okay. <laughs> you don't need me chewing you out on social media. No, 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 just, just watch him work. Watch, watch what happens when you tie God up. Do you not remember? That's how we all got here. Why do we have a redemptive plan? Somebody tried to tie God up. <laughs> Why do we have a Savior that we can believe in and be forgiven of all of your sins? Think about your sins. Think about the things that should disqualify you, man, woman. You know why you have freedom from sin? 
Because somebody tied him up. Because somebody tied him up. Who feels tied up? Who's tied up by sickness? Who's tied up by poverty? Who's tied up by lack? Who's, who's, can I remind you that you have been engrafted with Christ? It is no longer I that live, <laughs> but Christ that lives within me. You're not tying me up. You're tying God up. And you better watch what happens when you tie God up. Sometimes being tied up is not the end of a good run. Sometimes being tied up is the beginning of a show of strength. Your best days are ahead, but I'm tied up. Uh-huh. It's interesting because there's this scripture that seems almost like thrown in at the end. Like when I read it, I was like, what? It says, everyone desert, deserted and fled him. Then they just throw, verse 51, they throw this in. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. Leaving his garment behind. You have to understand that clothes in antiquity or ancient times, Bible days, they were a representation of identity. So there's this picture, this picture of what? When I don't reconcile my soul through prayer, when I don't remind myself of my role, that I am man, he is God, I have to stay, when I don't stay in that position, what happens in the long run, I give up or I, I lose my identity. Have you ever felt like you lost yourself and you didn't know how? I just, it's just not the same. I had these moments when I started the business. I had these moments when I was first trusting God. I had these moments when I first got married. I had these moments when we were raising our kids where I just felt so much like me. I just knew, I knew who I was and I was okay with it. I didn't need other people's approval. I didn't need them to send a check. I didn't care if I had the money. I knew that God would do it because I just, I just, I just knew. I knew where my identity was. I knew my role. I know that he was God and I was man and I had been given a space in history and I had been given assignments and there were things that I needed to do. But it's easy sometimes along the way when I don't know how to reconcile my internal world with disappointments that I face that I lose my identity. If you go back in your life, the place that you lost yourself is usually the place that you were disappointed by God. The point where you thought to your, you, you were doing something and you thought that God was 100% in it. I know this is God. I know this is God. I know this is God. But it didn't work out like you thought it would work out and you lost yourself. And sometimes you look back and you feel like you've never been the same. Can I tell you that you can get back your identity? How? By reconciling your soul unto God. What? Pray. And not these prayers where God, God, would you fix it? Anything is possible. I know that you will. I just declare the power of God. We take our authority. Sometimes it's just, I trust you. I trust you. Not my will, but your will be done. Let me see with the eyes of heaven. Let me have the courage not to fight, the courage to sit and pray. Not the courage to stand up for my God, but to sit down and watch him work. He started this story, and he's going to finish this story. Did you hear me? I mean, it's easy to quote, he is the author and the finisher of our faith. 
You know what that means? It means he started this story, not you. Why are you stressed out? Why are you burdened? Why are you distressed? Why are you overwhelmed? Why do you feel like you got something to prove? Why are you carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders like you signed up to be here and you have something so big to accomplish and if you don't do it, then God's not gonna move. He started this story and he's gonna finish this story. What is my job? Stay surrendered. Stay surrendered. You talk about the same dang thing every single week. Yup, because the truth is the truth. The key to a successful human life is a surrendered life. The life that can wholeheartedly say, I don't get it, I trust you. You put me here. And if that means that I have to grasp a bigger perspective that is greater than my humanity, then I'm willing to do so. If I'm pushed into the throes of uncertainty, then God signed me up. Because I don't want to live this life thinking I'm fighting people, really being at war with God and what he's trying to do. He says, my ways, not your ways. My thoughts, sorry, it's not your thoughts. They're higher. Preach is real good. But it sucks in application. This is why you need prayer. This is why we need prayer. This is why at nights like this coming Wednesday and we gather together out here in this parking lot, this is not about exercising our religious freedom. No. This is not taking a stand against political agenda. This is when we are distressed, we pray. When we go through times that we don't understand, we don't try to say, God, trust, trust me. I hope you hear what I've said. Watch what happens when you tie God up. I'm being nice about it, but you better watch what happens when you tie God up. God, God, does, God he, 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 he created all of this from nothing with his words. He is not a weak God. He is not scared of political system or viruses or things that go on within the context. Could you under, watch what happens when you tie God up? We're not showing up to make a stand. We're showing up to sit and pray. Did you hear me? We're not showing up to make a stand. Don't get it twisted. Don't bring cameras and say local church stands and they're right to religious. That's not what we're doing. That's not what we're doing. We are followers of Christ. We watch and we pray. When we're distressed, what do we do? We go to God and we say, not my will, but your will be done. I'm not going nowhere. And if that means they got to tie you up, I'm here. I'm here. I will not be stripped of my identity. I will not be stripped of my authority. I will not be stripped of the things that I know, that I know, that I know. And it's that who you are is real. That there is a God who loves me. But there is a God who put me here. And I will occupy my space in history with 100% of my heart. Unapologetic about what people think. Unapologetic about what society thinks. I just want to make it count. I don't know about you, but I just want to make it count. I want to occupy my space in history well. There's a reason that you're here. You're not just randomly here in 2020. You could have been born in any year. You 
hold a space of history. What will you do with it? What will you, will you spend your life fighting? Will you spend your life wielding a sword? Will you spend your life trying to fight for somebody that doesn't need your fight, he needs your trust? He doesn't need your strength, he needs you to rest in his strength. How will you occupy your space in history? Who out there is distressed? Who out there is tired? Pray. 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 Don't ask him to change it. Don't ask him to fix it. Pray. What? Not my will, but your will. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. Help me get it. Help me get it. Help me get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. Help me get it. Help me get it. Help me get it. God, once again today, we surrender our lives to you. That sounds so cheap. That sounds so cheap when imprisoned within the context of human language. To utter the words, I surrender once again. God, this is so much more than just words uttered from our lips. God, it's the cry of the internal motive of our heart. I feel this so strong in my heart this morning. The only way, because I know, only way for you to have the life that you want is to trust God. The only way, can you look into my eyes? The, the only way, the only way for you to have the life that you want is to surrender, to let go, to realize that you don't get it, but he does. What do I do when I'm distressed? I pray. Why? so that I can see things clearly. So I can, I can identify the right problems. I don't spend my life hurting people that don't need to be hurt. I know when I'm supposed to sit and I know when I'm supposed to stand. I know that I'm along for the ride. And I'm so, so grateful to occupy this space in history. Where are we at? Would you just close your eyes? I wanna give you a second. I don't I wanna give you a second, maybe just to internally you, it's the same thing, but just to do it again. Just to do it to, where, this is how I say it. Once you've surrendered, what do I do tomorrow? You surrender more. You surrender more. More deeply. More, tr more truly from a, a, a deeper place. I'm not talking about religious intellectual. Yeah, he's a big God up there and I'm just a little old person. No, I'm talking about fundamentally the land on which I build my house. land on which I build my house. It's easy to get caught up in the cosmic questions and people say, well, somehow we think that our questions somehow hold a stance that God is not real or God is not good. No, no, no. All of those things prove the fundamental points of Christianity. All of your questions prove why you need to be surrendered because you don't have the answers. You don't have the answers. God, we look to you. Wherever you're at, just out of your mouth, would you just, would you just surrender again? What is that? Letting go of my idea of how I think things should look. So what, would you just pray? I don't get it. Help me get it. I think it's that simple. Some people, I'm not really a prayer. I'm not talking about asking him for things. I'm not talking about 
trying to like give me of all my sin. No, I'm not. I'm just saying like open your heart to God. Prayer. Open your heart to God. God, we look to you today. We look to you today. We look to you today. God, we surrender it fresh today. We surrender it fresh today. We surrender it fresh today. We let go again 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 today. We let go. Some of you, you got to get the reins out of your hands, otherwise you'll continually be tempted to hold them. Some of you, you've got to get the reins out of your hands, otherwise you will be continually tempted to hold them. Let go again today. Let go again today. Let go again today. Let go again today. I don't know what that means. Some of you have got to get the reins out of your hands, otherwise you will continually be tempted to hold them. What is this great temptation? What is this great temptation? What is this great temptation you speak of, Jesus? What is this great temptation? Watch, lest you enter or fall into temptation. Lest you be tempted to do what? To take the reins back into your own hands. Lest you, be t- lest you be tempted when you are distressed to take the reins back into your own hands. The true sign, sometimes the greatest sign of a believer is not are you willing to stand up, but are you willing to sit down? Are you willing to open your hands when you want to hold them tight? Are you, are, are, are you willing to trust when you want to be untied and be in control of every little thing? Surrender again, surrender again, surrender again, let go again, let go again, let go again, let go again. Let go again as it pertains to your job, as it pertains to your family, as it pertains to your relationship reconciliation that you can't seem to manage through your own intellect and skills, as it pertains to your finances, as it pertains to your finances, as it pertains to your building of businesses, as it pertains to your relationship with your children, as it pertains to your relationship with your son, father, as it pertains to your relationship with your son, father, as it pertains to the relationship with the son, father, let go again, let go again, let go again. You're getting, you're, you're, you're getting stressed out by the same old problems. Again, what is the cure? What is the cure? What is the cure? Surrender, surrender again, surrender again. Why? Because he gets it and you don't get it. There, there's, a, there's a bigger picture, but I can't see it. That's the point. Let him tie him up, let him tie him up, let him tie him up, let him tie it up. Because you only know what happens when you tie God up. Sometimes being tied up not the end of a good run. Let that go deep in your heart. We're almost done. But some of y'all need some like healing, healing today. Let that go deep. Sometimes being tied up is not the end of a good run. Sometimes being tied up is the beginning of a show of strength. The miracles were great. He raised people from the dead. But no eye had seen. No ear had heard what was about to come. It's one thing to raise a man from the dead. It's another thing to do something that raises all of humanity from there to the future and all of the past from the dead. Watch what happens when you tie God up. You're in a good place. If you stay surrendered. Can I play the piano for a second? Somebody grab me a mic stand. Babe, why don't you, my, my baby mama's here, my wife's here. Come here, come here. My baby mama, I probably shouldn't say that. Not politically correct, but baby mama. I want to do something real quick. I'm disrupting the system today because I think you need it. 
don't always do it, but I think sometimes we, we have to break out of the mold of just going through the motions. I think sometimes we, we have to remind ourselves that we're not here to just go through the rituals of religion and occupy a system and fall in line. You got to wake up. You got to wake up. This is why I even make the points about get, we're not making a political, this is not a political stand. Why do I say that? Because your mind will make you think. No, you got to wake up. You got to see, you got to see the right perspective. This is about as a, as a believer, my life has to stay in God's hand. Does KFC work for you? Jesus, I, I surrender and all, all to him I freely give, and I will ever love and trust him in, in his presence daily. All to Jesus I surrender and all, all to Him I freely give. Go ahead, son. Why I will ever love and trust in Your presence, free. Just want you to hear it one more time. I surrender all. You close your eyes. Just, just let it resonate in your heart. Sing. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior. pray for you right now. God, right now, all across the spaces that every single human occupies that's watching this. Today, as we have kind of just shaken it up just for a second, let this be anchored in our soul as a place of remembrance. God, to acknowledge that a surrendered life is a successful life, that when we don't get it, when we don't see, this is much bigger than cultural rhetoric and singing a song that even when I don't see it, he's working. 
it's bigger than words that are encased by English language. God, would you help us feel it? Would you help us feel it? God, would you help us feel it? Down in our hearts. 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 Would you help us feel it? We anchor ourselves in who you are. We anchor ourselves in who you are. Maybe you're here today, you never made a decision to place your faith in Christ. Maybe you're watching today. The Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, real simple, we're going to make it quick. I believe those of you that are ready to make the decision, your heart compels you to do so. I don't got to talk you into it. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, though. What is it? It's the essence of surrender, putting my faith in somebody who's bigger than me. Would you say this prayer out loud? Would you say this with me? Say, Jesus, today, I believe in my heart, and I say out of my mouth, you are the Son of God. I believe that you lived for me. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you came back from the dead for me. Today I call you my Savior, and I make you my Lord. Say that. Say, help me to live the life that you made me to live. Say it again. Help me to live the life that you made me to live. Say that. Say, help me to occupy my space in history well say it again help me to occupy my space in history well in jesus name everybody said amen thanks for listening if this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with a message of jesus 